0: Welcome to the Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast, brought to you by Stam Audio. Stam Audio creates zero-compromised recording gear that is light on the wallet. Only the best components are used, and each one goes through a rigorous testing process with one thing in mind, getting the best sound possible. Go to stamaudio.com for more info. And now your hosts, Joey Sturges, Joel Wanasek, and A.L. Levy
1: hey everyone welcome to the joey sturgis forum podcast how is everyone doing today killer awesome wonderful that voice you hear is good friend johnny frank how you doing johnny
2: doing good man hanging out
1: for those of you who might not know he used to be in attack attack and now he is a producer engineer uh doing his own projects and one of the I think one of the coolest things that I think you've done and that I'm a big fan of is the Jared Alonji stuff. Tell us a little bit about how that came about cuz that's it, the, some of the stuff that you guys do is just it's it's funny but at the same time you're you're like killing it. Like it's
2: you're pulling it off. <laughs> Thanks man. Yeah, it was just like uh I remember like watching his videos, the the vocalist videos and being like he literally could not be more dead on. Like, I've literally (laughs) said, as a vocalist, I've said, like, 80% of the things that he said. And it was just, like, I just, like, really, really enjoyed that. It was just cracking up watching it. So I was, like, instantly a fan. And then I heard he, like, raised some absurd amount of money, like, crowdfunded it to uh, start doing an album. And I was like, dude, I would love to be on that. So I just, I hit him up and was talking to him saying hey dude if you want me to do like guest vocals on it or something i would love to help out however and he's like i would definitely want you to have guest vocals like a week later he hits me up he's like how do you feel about doing synth and i'm like i'm down to do synth if you want me to so what
0: is this like he
1: did a comedy album uh jared alangi made fun of like every scene band ever good um Uh, with as with a crowdfunded album so it's like he's like give me money i'll make a comedy album it'll be great and then he got all the money plus more
0: and so is it like modern day crotch duster yeah but it's uh he basically
2: made up like eight completely fake bands and like made like a backstory around each one of them and then there's videos of each band as well yeah and then he like basically like makes songs in that style and then just kind of makes fun of different like things that those bands do so like modern day weird owl exactly okay
0: and it's doing crazy well i guess yeah yes
2: yeah, it charted number one on the Billboard comedy charts, which I don't know Whoa. how cool that is, but no, like... that,
0: no that's cool. <laughs> that's very cool.
2: Okay, yeah. I mean that was that was definitely a surprise to me. So I can say that I have a number one album. I don't have to mention it's on the comedy charts, but you know, <laughs> hey. Hey, whatever works. <laughs> it's man. A cool thing. Well at least yeah.
0: it's not a serious album on the com- right. on the comedy charts, you know? Yeah.
2: That would <laughs> that would take that too though, you know, I'd be all right with that. <laughs> it's I like mean... I poured my heart and soul into this album and it turned Number one on comedy, <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but yeah, so like a week later, he hits me up and he's like, "I actually want you to do the whole thing." And I was like, "That sounds amazing. Yes, of course, I'll do that." I was kind of nervous because I was like, "This is by far the biggest project I've ever done." Um, so yeah, I mean, we kind of figured out a way to do it, and we just did everything over Skype. So he would send me like, he would send me like a really crappy demo. And then I would basically, like, add what I thought would be cool. And then I would record all the guitars, bass, drums, send it back to him. He would write vocals over it. And it was, like, a really cool process that we kind of figured out to get everything done. But it was definitely awesome.
1: That's great, man. The quality of it, too, is, is if you haven't heard it and you're listening to this, you got to go check it out. The quality of it just... it they nail it. <laughs> now, did you go through and do like different guitar tones for the different bands and stuff like that? Like what was your approach to, cause I know the album is a little bit all over the place.
2: Yeah, it's pretty eclectic. I mean, there's, I mean, there's like a gent song and then there's like an emo revival kind of American football type song. And, uh, I remember going in being like, all right, I know I'm going to have to do, this isn't like a normal album where I just like, Oh, this is a cool snare. I'm going to use it on every song cause it won't work that way. So, I remember going in being like I'm going to really have to make some killer drum tones and some killer guitar tones. And luckily enough, I mean, I felt like when we went in to do each song, it was just one of those like one of those times where just everything you, that you do is the right thing and like every tweak that you make is the right tweak and it was just it came together really well. So, it just was like it was really kind of a natural thing that didn't take too much work to get the tones that we wanted usually what he would do is be like all right i want it to kind of sound like this you know song this is the song that i want to parody and then i'd go in and kind of look at the drums look at the guitars and and kind of mimic that
1: see i think that's so fun and that, that was one of the things i love to do back in the day when well i guess this is still going around but like every band did a cover song like once a year yeah <laughs> It was always fun because it was kind of like, oh, now I have to learn something new today. Uh, how to make like this synth sound, or how to do this and or do that. And uh, I learned a lot through actually through those cover songs that I've had to do over the years. Um, <laughs> so that sounds a lot of fun. Uh, is that yeah. something that you think
2: has like diversified you as a producer by having to do this project? Oh, totally, man. I think like what's cool is like it forces you to get a guitar tone that you wouldn't really like go for. You know, I think a lot with guitars that that was always my weak point as a producer, uh, especially early on, was like trying to find a guitar tone that worked. So it was really cool going into this one him and him being like, Uh, I want this to sound like American football and tiny moving parts. And I'm like, who are those bands? What is emo revival? Like, I've never even heard of these bands before. (laughs) And, uh, like he was like, for real. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I guess I just, I just haven't listened to them. So like, yeah, I I guess, I don't know. So I just started listening to that stuff and being like, crap, this is, this is good music. And I want to like have these tones kind of in my back pocket. And, it really forced me to to do things that I maybe wouldn't have thought of because you have to kind of mimic that tone. So it did push me to do a lot of different things and a lot of just kind of wonky things. To specifically the guitars, maybe the drums as well. What do you mean by wonky? I don't know. I'd, I'd never really like used multiple amps or anything like that, or, or really odd combinations. Like one, I think on one of the songs it's like a mixture of a mesa uh amp model and a a matchless amp model and i kind of just mashed them up together and it's like one of the coolest guitar tones i've ever made i was just kind of messing around with it and something cool happened so see this is
1: this is the this is you proving my point that i speak about all the time and i t- i actually we spoke at a a school this morning um blackbird academy and i was trying to tell the students you got to experiment because if you don't like you're not pushing anything forward you know it's if you go online and or take a course or whatever and you learn what you learn and then you go apply that and that's all you do you're not going to be at the forefront of the of production you're not going to be pushing music forward or pushing the genre forward or anything like that so i love situations that force you to experiment and I think that's where some of the most interesting ideas actually come from. And um I think it's uh that's a great that album is a great example of of that. And uh I'm I'm glad that you had to go through that because that's it's actually really cool.
2: Yeah, I honestly I tell like a lot of producers and stuff who who ask me, like they're like how did you do this? Or like, you know, I heard you weren't supposed to do this, you know, like mix these two things. I'm like, I always give this example. I'm like, if I like farted into a microphone and somehow figured out a way to make it sound like a good snare drum, like that's the right thing to do. There is no right or wrong way to get to wherever you need to get to, you know? And honestly, like if you take a more unorthodox way there, then you're going to get something that sounds like no one else. And, uh, I think that that is cool. And, you know, if you go online and download like a pod farm preset of someone else, like that's pretty cool, you know, and if, 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 you get a cool tone out of that, but try and, you know, maybe take that and add something else to it, you know, and do something different with it. And I think sometimes people can get a little too afraid of, oh man, I may like try tweaking this tone or try experimenting things and just completely come up with nothing. And, that's okay <laughs> the, th-
0: the thing is uh, a lot of people online who are asking questions they'll ask questions as though they're looking for an absolute answer and uh, even when we a- answer like and say like yeah generally you have the same guitar tone on each side but that's not talking about like all the records where at least one or two songs had weird shit going on in right. a- at least a few songs, some records all of them. Just like you give people answers for things that apply 85% of the time, and they think they try to apply it 100% of the time without thought or, uh, yeah, without trying to take it further, and I think that that's that's bad. It's helpful to kind of know what pros are doing, but it's Mm -hmm. even more helpful to apply that and uh, try to get better.
2: Right, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking something that a pro is doing and being like, oh, sweet, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to download this guitar tone. If you make cool stuff with it, you make cool stuff with it, and that's the bottom line. But I also think that there should be that that extra push of, like, maybe I can make something even better or different if I try this.
0: And I'm sure that you also fucked up a few tones trying to blend things.
2: Oh, my God. I mean, you know, those days where it's, like, I felt like for Jared's album, that actually, like, surprisingly didn't happen which was incredible because it's the, you know, it's the biggest thing I've done. So I was like, I felt so like lucky, you know, it was like those, like the whole process was like one of those days where like everything that you try is sweet. But I definitely many times before that I've had days where I'm like, I'm going to try and make like a new guitar tone. And I listen to it and I'm like, this sounds like crap. Like, <laughs> and I just <laughs> spent like an hour and a half just messing around with this mix on this guitar tone. It sounds like crap, but. I think it's better to look at it as like, maybe I didn't make anything cool, but I trained my ear a little bit more and how to maybe hear different sounds in the guitar to dive a little bit deeper sonically into what's going on as opposed to just like, you know, finding something that works.
0: Well, learning how to say no to certain tones is part of uh, getting good at finding what works because you have to... You have to get good at rejecting things that don't work. Right. The only way to do that is to make bad tones and reject them.
2: Right. You're exactly. not exactly. Yeah.
0: You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get higher standards unless you raise your standards. Basically.
2: Exactly. Or like, you know, yeah. Like, you're not gonna get a tone that's purely unique if you're just constantly happy with you know the one tone that you have.
1: Absolutely. And let, let's talk a little bit about standards because I think. I, one thing that I noticed after uh, working with you as a producer is that Attack Attack, as a band and each of you as individuals, had high standards. Hmm. And now that might sound funny to someone like you know if there's someone <laughs> out there who's like, "Oh, Attack Attack sucks, like they write stupid songs." <laughs> there's still uh, there's still like a slot that they fit in, and right. with within that realm, there was standards. I mean, I, I remember clearly like playing riffs on guitars and being like nah that's not good enough or you know going through songs and being like ah this part could be better this could be arranged better so you know how important do you feel it is to 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 have your standards um, in check and and how has that affected I guess how you approach your production projects
2: well that's like really interesting I you know as I've become a producer uh, post attack attack I've always you know I, as I interact with these different bands, I'm always like wondering, like, I wonder what Joey thought of us when like we first came in, uh, you know, in 2008. <laughs> like, were we like, cause I get d- different various ranges of bands. Like, you know, I get a band that's a bunch of like kids who just don't give a shit. Can I cuss on this? Yeah. 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 Okay. I've been like holding back. So now I'm going to cuss. Like, don't so, hold, like, don't nah, hold back. Sweet. <laughs> but like, you know, I'll get, I'll get kids in here who like, don't give a fuck about their music. And then I'll get kids in here who, like, you know, care an incredible amount. And I was just, like, so it's interesting to hear you talk about maybe us having higher standards or something like that as a band because I don't remember you know i didn't i wasn't on that in the producer end i was on that from the band member end
1: so it was organic it wasn't it wasn't forced you weren't trying to shoot for high standards but you just somehow magically had these high standards and this is something that is hard to teach because i think a lot of people they go like how do you make the kick sound so good or how you make the guitar sound so good
2: have high standards yeah you know don't like keep working at it until it does sound good you know I think like people people just hear the the finished product you know they just hear like something that you've spent hundreds of hours doing and then on top of that you know how many thousands of hours have you spent trying to get that kick to sound like the way it does in your head you know but they're only experiencing it for that you know one or two minutes of the song and then it's over. So to, to them, it seems like it's almost instant, but to you, it's like, I've spent a thousand hours training my ear to know what a good kick drum sounds like. And then also on top of that, I, I love the constant evolution of music where someone does something, you know, maybe another producer does something. And you're just like, wow, how did he get that to happen? You know, yeah. how did, how did that kick drum happen? And you're like, well, fuck I want to do that you know like I want to try and make something that's similar to that and and what I love about it is you'll never make something exactly the same as that even if maybe you do all the same things because you're a different person you're in a different room you have different gear and it'll be unique to you which is cool absolutely yeah you
0: can't ever actually copy somebody right
2: it's no matter how much you try
0: (laughs) yeah there's uh it's technically impossible I mean maybe if all the factors somehow magically line up exactly the same way.
2: Right. You'd have to have, like, a stupid amount of money to do that.
0: (laughs) And uh, just mathematically, I don't think it would be possible.
2: Right. I mean, if you think about someone doing a performance the same way twice, it's not going to happen. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, I totally agree with you.
0: Yeah, that's why we tell people that it's uh, best to learn what you can off of people, but don't try to copy them because it's fruitless.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, I'll, I'll never get the, the Joey Sturgis sound, but maybe I can listen to him and hear something that's going on and be like, I really like that. That's a standard for me that I want to set for myself. And I don't want anything below that. You know, I think that that's important as producers is you constantly keep stepping the game up, pushing the bar higher and, that makes everyone else push the bar higher because you're like, well, that's a that's a standard that now I want to meet. All right, you know?
0: so let's talk about some specifics about like, if you do hear something crazy like a kick sound, on somebody's record or some just whatever, let's say a kick sound, you mm-hmm. want to you get that idea that you want to do that. Uh, what's your first step? Like, how do you go about emulating it?
2: Man, I don't know. Uh, so the kick sound that I've been like really blown away by is this band wage war have you listened to them yeah yeah it's kind of weird it's like the kick almost dominates the whole mix but it doesn't sound obnoxious at least to me it's a really heavy sounding mix and I really like it so what I've been doing I mean I listened to that kick drum and and literally like the past five bands that I've recorded are like we want the wage war like kick drum (laughs) okay well you know like that's what they want and that's what I'm gonna give them so I think I sat down a couple times and just like I mean, I think for me a lot of it has to do with the way that a kick drum is EQ'd. And then I was EQing it in a way different way and so I just messed with the EQ a lot on the song and just waited until I I got it right. I got the kick drum sound that I was looking for and you know So it's
0: a different curve than what you're used to doing.
2: Yeah, I usually scoop the crap out of 200 and then boost it in a a parallel bus to get that kind of pillowy sound but I I just did some different things EQ wise honestly I'm not much of a technical guy as much as I am like I'm going to mess around with something until it sounds like the way it does in my head
0: I know a lot of technical guys who do it like that
2: yeah and so I just I had a parallel bus that was you know obviously like slamming and I found a couple cool samples. And there's this sample. It's it's on uh, the CLA drum pack for Slate. And uh, it's got this really nice punchy tone to it. And so I just used that and layered that with uh, Kick 10, obviously. And like, I, I just messed with the EQs and almost to the point where it kind of drove me nuts. I was like getting kind of pissed. <laughs> but uh, I, f- I think I finally after like a couple days of messing around with it got the got the tone to sound exactly how I wanted it to. So
0: I've never used Kick 10.
2: That's a good thing.
0: Well, I ke- I keep hearing about it, but I've never owned the Slate drums, so I I guess I missed out on all that. But uh so you said that you do a parallel bus on your kicks?
2: Yeah, so usually the way that I process my kick drum is I have it going through just obviously the normal bus and then a parallel bus where I have my kick and snare in there and I'm boosting a lot of like 200 and cutting a lot of the highs out in my parallel bus. And then obviously just slamming it with uh, an SSL and uh, a clipper and then EQing it afterwards. It gets that like, I don't know if you, like in the Jared songs and stuff, it, it gives it this really nice kind of pillowy snare and kick sound that that i enjoy so yeah that's pretty much what i do on the parallel bus
0: what's your normal kick chain like
2: uh normally i just use kick 10 i go into a 3a and then i go into an l1 and then i eq it i cut out like a huge portion of 200 and then use the parallel bus to kind of bring back that punchiness so uh the 200 of the snare and the 200 of the kick are kind of like rocking in the parallel bus and then the the main track for the kick drum is bringing in more of the sub end so it's got a little bit of both
0: I see yeah I, I'm gonna try that
2: yeah yeah I don't know Joey what do you usually do on your parallel bus I I find like when I boost 200 like magical things happen but I don't know if if other people do that or not
1: well the thing that's interesting about me is I actually don't like parallel processing that much or parallel uh, compression at least I uh oh. I usually just have like a track somewhere, like a stereo track of like maybe some rooms or maybe a combination of rooms or something like that that I kind of just process differently and maybe those could sort of be considered parallel. Okay. (laughs) In a kinda in a weird sort of way, but yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah.
2: Okay. That's interesting.
0: But you also use inserts with Mix knobs on them, right? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. I mean, not a lot, but yeah. I mean, one of the things that,
1: you know, we always do with our plugins is always have mix knobs because I remember when I was, you know, coming up and talking to people about mixing and stuff, everyone would always be like, man, I wish this plugin had a mix knob. And so when I I just set out to design plugins, it's like every plugin I make is going to have a mix knob.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely a good move. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I, it's funny though because I don't really use them a lot, but they are useful. You know, parallel processing is a great way to like do something that you like the sound of, but kind of just blend it in, like changing the amount of almost like the changing the amount of uh, spice that you add to a dish or something like that. Like, yeah, it's it's there, but then you can like control how much.
2: Right. You don't want your drums to literally just like be so compressed that it's obnoxious but you kind of want them to be (laughs) so the parallel compression allows you to be like i want to just destroy this drums like signal you know and just make it sound you know the sustain of the room to sound like insanely long but obviously like if you if i use just use my parallel bus you know For my snare and kick, it would sound like crap. So
1: yeah, you got to have the clarity coming and the sharpness uh, coming back in there from the original tracks, uncompressed, I guess. So yeah, but yeah, I guess the the short answer is I I just don't really use. That uh, makes sense. <laughs> I talk about it a lot because a lot of people want to know about it, but uh, you can get there without it. Now, it depends. I But you make malts and stuff. Sometimes, yeah. I, I will say this. I've been using a compressor on my drum bus that I kind of feel like I can't live without, which is not necessarily a good thing based on what I teach, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh sometimes you just go down those roads and you're like oh i'm really digging this compressor on drums every time and i'm just gonna keep using it but i you know it it doesn't necessarily it kind of sounds like parallel compression uh, in a a way
2: okay are you talking about
1: kramer yeah kramer pie
2: kramer pie
1: yeah that's a good plugin. i'll
2: have to check that out
1: yeah it's a waves uh, compressor
2: i have the kramer tape and I, I can say that I've never used a tape emulator in my life.
1: It's good. It's good. You should try it on uh, vocals sometime.
2: Oh, I'll give it a shot.
1: Yeah. So yeah, you're primarily in the box. Is that right?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm about as in the box as it gets.
1: Yeah, I thought so. And you know, I I like that because one of the things that if you guys listening to this, if you guys get out there and uh, start doing a lot of big projects, one of the biggest pain in the ass is, is gonna be all the recalls and all the revisions Yep. and if you can't open a song in in 30 seconds you're gonna hate your life <laughs> uh and i know joel joel does some hybrid stuff where he has analog and digital setup and he's always like oh i'm not gonna be available today i have to recall a mix and yeah. i know i know what he means it's he means he's gonna have to set like you know, fifty plus knobs to the exact position that they were in uh, when he last mixed the song, and then he's got to hit play and hope that it sounds the same, and it probably doesn't. And then he's got to figure out why, and it takes forever. So, uh, <laughs> in the box is is kind of the way to go, in my opinion.
0: And if yeah. you're at all disorganized of a person, just go in oh, the box. God.
2: Dude, yeah. I just like you talking about that process. Literally, like, made my heart so anxious. I was just like, <laughs> you know, if you get a sound that you like and then you don't know if you'll ever be able to like recreate that or something or something could go wrong. I don't know. I I honestly run a pretty minimalistic setup. Like I I found what I liked and I found what works and I'm like, sweet. You know, if I need something, I'll buy it. But as as technology progresses, I think that there's so many awesome plugins out there that are coming out that I'm just like, man, it it just makes life so much easy. And especially with the type of work that I've been doing with Jared, where it's like, you know, we're doing everything over Skype We're, you know, I'm like producing vocals with a dude from like Seattle over Skype, you know, and then we've got this guy from Michigan who's doing this and stuff like that. And just to be able to coordinate all those different things, I don't really know if it would be possible to do all that. Uh, with a ton of analog gear and all that
0: talk about the Skype production thing yeah like how how do you go about accomplishing that
2: yeah I mean I was well when me and Jared first started talking he was like I was like do you want to come here and we just do everything he's like well I can't do that because I still got to run the YouTube channel and do all that stuff so I was like okay and I was like do you want to do all the vocals and he's like no so what's been cool is I had all these different bands that I've recorded over the past four years. And I was like, kind of got to cherry pick the vocalists that I liked the best. Uh, I was like, this guy would be good for pop punk. This guy would be good for metal. This guy would be good for like death metal. And then uh, we contacted all of them and they were all down. So basically the way that a song would happen is he would email me a rough demo. I'd record the whole thing, send it to him And then we'd Skype later on that day. It usually takes me like three or four hours, depending on... If it's a pop punk song, it's going to take like two hours. If it's like, you know, a death metal song, it's going to take like six hours. But once I send that instrumental to him, he'll Skype back with me and be like, okay, here's my thoughts. Here's what I want to change on this. I'll make all those revisions right there. And then we'll send it off to do vocals. So Jared, me, another producer and the vocalist will all Skype together. And I'll kind of produce from there and be like, okay, he needs to sing it more like this. He needs to add this emphasis on whatever. And what will you be hearing? Just the Skype audio, just like that is now. Okay. I've,
0: I've actually done that before. It works better than, than you, would you would expect. Think. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's like... Because you can tell, I mean, like, if I'm talking like this, or I'm talking like... like it comes over Skype, you know? And so it's not like... It's not perfect, but it definitely works pretty well. Uh, So he has a producer that he's working with. I'm kind of vocal producing over Skype. And then we send all those vocals off to get edited. They come back to me, and then I mix it all together. Me and Jared Skype do revisions for a day and then come back and do revisions the next day just in case we missed anything. So it's it's a pretty revision-heavy process because there's so many moving parts going on. But, yeah, that's pretty much what what it looks like over Skype.
0: I once tried this online daw, oh God, with a client who was in Australia failed miserably. What happened? It was just really clunky. It was a great idea. It was for this sort of thing where right. you're not in the same place, and you it's kind of like the I forget what it's called. It's like the Google Docs of of DAWs, I guess. Okay. It's available online and uh, you both access it and work on it at the same time.
2: I'd say in like five years, that would be like pretty viable process. But I just feel like there's too many things that could go wrong <laughs> right at the moment.
0: Yeah, it'll it'll get there. This was like a year ago and it was super clunky, but it'll get there.
2: I mean, that would be sweet too. It's just like everyone kind of uses DAWs in the cloud and you don't have to worry about like oh, I don't have this DAW, I don't have this plugin, it's just all there. That'd be awesome.
0: I'm sure it'll go to that, because, yeah. like I said, I've already done it, so...
2: Right, it's there, it just needs to be better.
0: Yeah, I mean, Skype is better than that, so...
2: <laughs> right.
0: Totally not there.
2: Do you guys do that, a lot of Skype stuff, or no? I mean, I, I never used it as a producing tool.
0: I've done it when I had to. Mm-hmm.
2: It's been interesting, like, my business model has almost completely changed to that, where... I'll Skype with bands and, like, get all the instrumentals down. They come and do the do the vocals.
1: Oh, wow. That's interesting.
2: Yeah. I mean, obviously, there's certain bands that are like, fuck that. <laughs> we want to do everything. <laughs> and I'm like, that's fine with me, too. But, you know, if you want to save some money, it's like you're still writing the stuff. Like, we can work this out online and figure it out, and you're going to have a good product no matter what. So, you know, at the end of the day, if it's the bottom line of... Them having a good product, I think a lot of bands would be open to that and excited about it. Actually,
0: and that's with you playing everything. Mm-hmm. That's interesting to me. So you do actually encounter new bands that are a okay with that.
2: Yeah, they'll come to me and say, "Hey, we want you to record." I mean, I'm not going to go out and say like what bands or whatever, but yeah, yeah, I know. you know, like there. I have bands. They're like, "Hey, you know, we want to come in and record this album, but you know, the costs of staying at your house." for you know a month is a little bit more than we can handle so i'll pitch them that and i'll be like you send me the demos you write everything i'll record all the instrumentals it'll probably end up sounding better than if we did it together because i you know i know what i like and i'm i know like most of the time what they're going for and so you know you guys are gonna have these kick-ass instrumentals you're gonna come in and you know we're gonna do vocals to it and it's gonna sound great and when the bottom line is you get a great product that I think a lot of the times bands are just like, okay, we're down with that.
0: I guess they really have to trust you for that.
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's a lot of bands who I've worked with already. Some, some that I haven't too. I'll, I don't think, I think they like the idea of like writing something and then just kind of allowing someone to take care of everything else. You don't have to worry about new strings. You don't have to worry about anything. You write something and I will make it what you want it to be, the reason that you come into the studio, so it's kind of like rap, honestly <laughs> <laughs> so you
0: just said that this is mainly with clients that you've already worked with, so you've already established rapport and trust I mean they're coming back
2: right, yeah so I mean uh, there's been a couple new ones where I've pitched I, I don't think I don't think people are really doing that, so when a, when a band gets pitched that they're like, "Oh, so I don't have to take a month off work, you know, and all this stuff. Yeah, that sounds great. It's convenient for them, and they still get a good product. So, I think, I think they're really into the idea most of the time. I've, I think I've only had a band say no once. But yeah, once ever. Yeah, I th- most of the time they're like, oh, sweet.
0: Oh, okay. What, what was their? Why did they say no?
2: It's just because they want to do. You know, it's it's a pride thing. Yeah, yeah. some people want to have a hand in their art, and I'm not going to blame them to, for that. Like that's that's fine. I think that. Oh uh, well, yeah. If you want to play your own stuff, then you want to play your own stuff. But if you trust someone to do that for you and to take your vision farther than you imagined it, then, you know, and they deliver it, then why not, you know?
0: It's just really fascinating to me because we get a lot of uh, our listeners who struggle with gaining the trust of their clients. So uh, they're in those situations where, the local band is running the show mm-hmm. with bad decisions and, you know, won't, won't listen. And I mean, we've all encountered that too. Of course. Pro bands as well. But how did you go about developing that trust? Or is it already there to begin with? Cause they knew you in advance.
2: I think a lot of it was there. Like, you know, they're like, he's been in attack, attack. He's been in a mildly successful band. And <laughs> like, then, I think there's that initial trust off the off the front end, which is awesome. And like I do talk to a lot of producers who like bands don't respect them or trust them. I'm like, that sucks. Coming like, from
0: a band background really helps.
2: Dude, it does. Because they you know, a lot of the guys have listened to Attack Attack and they've enjoyed it. And and so they come in like being like this guy, we can trust him because he's already proven himself to do something that we like. But obviously, you know, you do get into those bouts with bands where you're just like, all right, I don't know how else to say this, but I'm going to say it as nice as possible. You're completely wrong and I'm not going to let you destroy your song and you just have to trust me here. And I I wonder if, if producers were a little bit more upfront, like, like that, you know, with that confidence of like, I know that I'm right. I'm not trying to be a dick here, but I know that I'm right in what I'm saying. And you, and you need to trust me if you want a good product
1: one thing i liked about our guest andrew wade one thing that he said uh that stuck with me is he said we're all fighting for the same battle here we're all trying to make great yeah. music we're all trying to make a great song so that we can all make a lot of money uh <laughs> and and he didn't mean that in a greedy way he was just right. saying like look like why why would i fight with you like i i just want the song to be great so that it you know, helps all of us. Um, and and I think if you just say that, it's it's enough to really push things forward.
2: Right. My goal isn't to screw you guys over and give you a shitty mix. It's, you know, I don't want that.
0: Or to steal your artistic voice. Right.
2: Yeah, you know, and a lot of the times, like, the quabbles that it comes down to or the little fights are over, like, stupid things. You know, they're like, turn up the lead guitar in the pre-chorus really loud. And then I'm like, I don't want to do that because it, the chorus is going to sound small. You know, I, I think also explaining to them why, instead of just being like, no, I'm not going to do that because you're stupid, <laughs> <laughs> but like explaining to them, here's why I'm not going to turn that guitar up. It It's because it's going to make the chorus sound tiny, you know? Or something like that, and most of the times the bands like, "Oh yeah, that makes sense. We get it."
0: How do you go about collecting mix feedback from bands? Do you have a system for that?
2: Uh, I just say, "I'm gonna send you one mix, and then go fuck off." No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I uh, I say, "I'll send you out the song. Get me two. You're gonna get two rounds of revisions. We can usually get it by then." So they'll just send me all the revisions over email, and then. I'll take care of it like that, or or if it's a little bit more intensive, like with Jared, me and him just will sit on Skype all day, joke around, you know, have fun, and just do revisions to songs. Like for the, I just uh, finished up a full length for him a couple weeks ago, and I think we spent the last like three days of our time together just doing revisions over Skype.
0: Damn. That makes sense. And are you guys both listening to the same file?
2: Yeah, so I'll send him off like an instrumental over like iMessage or something, which is literally the greatest app ever to have on your computer because you can just drag files in there and send it to someone's phone. It's wonderful. But so I'll just send him something on like whatever I finished doing then and he'll listen to it and come back with me with with actually Jared is one of the guys who has like most of the time I hate doing revisions because I'm thinking you're kind of wrecking this part of the song most of the time, but I'm, you know, we can find a compromise here, but with Jared, like all of his revisions were dead on, you know, this is everything that you're doing is making the song better. So yeah, but we usually just, I'll give it to him. He'll listen to it for a little bit, come back with some revisions on Skype and then send it off finished product
0: joey what's your method my method for feedback and dealing with dumb notes one of the
1: strategies i've used i don't know if i should recommend this but i'll just tell (laughs) you because i don't give a shit i'm i'm straight up i'm straight up as it comes i'll ignore notes that i don't like yep i'll do the same thing dude (laughs) and if they come back and be like oh you forgot to do this i'll be like oh oops yep yep but then I won't do it. <laughs> and that's just sort of my little cheeky little way of like saying I'm not going to fucking do that. <laughs> yeah. Now, if it becomes a big issue, I'll have a conversation about it. I'm not going to completely just ignore them, especially if they hound hound me over it. Right. But if it's something that important to them, they're going to make a deal out of it and it's going to become a a topic. And in that case, I'll talk to him. But I always try to get close to someone in the band to where it's like, like there's. I always feel like there's at least one person in every band that you can just call them up and be like, "Dude, don't you think that's stupid?" And they'll be like, "Yeah, that's dumb." And then you just like get one away with it. reasonable guy. It's, yeah. <laughs> so I always get close to that guy. You know, for like, yeah, for uh, asking Alexandria, for example, it, that's Ben, right? Yeah. So if somebody's like oh, I think we should do this. Um, And I think that's just a terrible idea. I'd be like, Ben, <laughs> this is a terrible idea. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I think it's stupid too. And then that's all I need to do. <laughs>
2: right. Yeah. If you can, I feel like I do that too. It's like you find one guy in the band that you're like, you're a reasonable person and you understand music pretty well. And
0: you know your band member.
2: Right. Exactly. And usually that's the guy who's got the most control over what's going on anyways. So yeah, it's good to kind of find an ally there and be like, come on, you know, this revision's a little ridiculous or this feedback's a little ridiculous. But yeah, I totally agree. You know, it's like if they send me something and I'm like, this one doesn't make much sense or two, I don't agree with it. I'll see if I change the big things that they want and then send it back to them. And if they're all right with it, then no sweat off my back, you know?
1: Yeah. And I think sometimes you have to, uh, you know, unfortunately to get things done you gotta do stuff like this uh it's just as much as a political game as it is a psychological game yep. sometimes so i always know where i know where people stand i know how the label thinks i know how the a and r thinks i know how the manager thinks and how the band thinks so if there's something i'm trying to get accomplished I'll go to whoever it is that's going to back me up if I'm like, "Oh, I I know the label's going to hate this idea." So I go to the label and I'm like, oh, this look at this idea. Isn't this stupid?" And they're like, "Yeah, that's dumb." And then I'll go back and be like, "Okay, guys, the label said this idea is dumb." <laughs> <laughs> you know, like it, it unfortunately that's just sort of what you got to do.
2: Right. And time, you know, time is so of the essence as well. You're like, "I I have 20 other things that I need to do. I can't just spend Time doing something that you ultimately won't care about. Yeah.
0: Like, like that hi hat up 0.3 dB. <laughs> right.
2: You're like, in the end, you won't mind.
0: It's all for the common goal of making a great music,
1: you know, at the end. So, yeah.
0: Now, I want to just point out, though, to our listeners that this doesn't mean that nobody on this uh, podcast listens to feedback from artists <laughs> because sometimes artists come up with great notes that yeah. really do make the song better. Yeah. So, and I'm saying that because I know some guys who are just anti revision no. to begin with.
2: Yeah, like there's been a couple times where I'll me and a client will kind of like butt heads on something, and I'll I'll be like, all right, I'll you know I'm not I'll give it a sh- I'll give it a shot and see what it sounds like, and then you know I have to go back and be like, dude, you were totally right, and like way to stick to your guns on that because it made the song better.
0: Well, yeah, I always say that like if you really feel strongly about something. You should stand up for it, and if you stand up for it uh, and can justify it, then I'm way more likely to be convinced. Yeah, I mean that goes for anything in life. So, I, like like Joey said, if it really is that important, they'll make a thing out of it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and and one of the things I've always tried to do, because notes notes used to like. Certain notes used to like infuriate me, and yeah. it was it was a bad thing that I had to get over. And uh, one of the things that I did is I just I guess I just told myself I was like, look, you're working for them. It's not your song. It's not your music. It's not your band. Um, mm-hmm. th- they're very much a business of their own, and they have a very clear idea of how they want to run their business and what they want to look like and how they want to sound and all this. And so I always try to give the benefit of the doubt for every single note that comes across. I'll, I'll really try and sit there and try and put myself in their shoes and really think about it and 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 try to, to embrace what they're saying. Yeah. But if I know, if I just know that it's just not the right thing, I will be resistant. But before that resistance, I do try and really accept something. And, and, and uh, a lot of times my first reaction to whatever it is like like if it's uh especially if it's like like opposite of what i want to do my first reaction is to get really upset about it but then <laughs> i'll calm down and i'll think about it I'm like you know what i think that actually that might be a good idea mm-hmm. and i'll try it and if it sounds stupid it should be pretty obvious you know
2: yeah most of the time it is
0: so just be fair you know yeah it's not your art it's theirs right and uh you know after a while, you learn to differentiate between actual notes and then just stuff that a neurotic band member wrote while listening on his iPhone speakers, right? <laughs> I can't hear the bass, yeah, on, on my iPhone, <laughs>
2: <laughs> dude. I've gotten that before.
1: Like, would you listen to it on my iPhone? I'm like, all right, yeah, it doesn't put out
0: any bass frequencies bro <laughs> it just I'm not hearing the sub drops on my laptop speakers
2: <laughs> you're like alright let me get that let me just distort the mix entirely then
0: <laughs> I have gotten that before though
2: there you go dude you gotta make the change man
0: <laughs> well I think that that's important to point out though when you get a set of notes you also should ask yourself what are they listening on and uh, that doesn't mean that they need to have monitors or anything like Clearly, they don't. They can have, like, any consumer-grade stuff, but, you know, like, he- good headphones or computer speakers or whatever, car. But you need to just make sure that they're not giving you ridiculously dumb notes, like like we were just saying. Like, right. bass notes from listening on a laptop or something. It's just, it's really, really important. Or that they don't have... uh some sort of, I guess, uh, setting on their mp3 player that will compress it or something, or EQ right. it. What's that called in iTunes again? I, I forgot the name of it because I never use it.
1: Oh, uh, sound check, I think so. Well, there's there's sound
0: check, and then there, what else is it?
1: Oh man, I
0: I haven't like I got. I was that guy once who listened to some MP3s of an album. I was getting mixed with that on, and I got railed so hard for it. I just turned it off and then never looked back. (laughs) I forget what it's called.
1: Man, yeah, it's like iTunes can automatically adjust the volume levels of your music for you so that each song is closer to one another in volume output. That that's called sound check. But there's something else where you can actually increase the volume of your song by like 20%. I think that's what you're talking about yes but I can't find it right now Well Normalize- it's like normalizing or so I don't know yeah well it it fucks with your mix basically yeah it definitely does it, it does like a it's kind of like what radio stations do mm-hmm. where it like turns it into just a, a blob.
2: Or a Facebook video. Oh yeah. my. <laughs> oh gosh.
1: That's the worst.
2: It'll like take a mix and just make it sound like someone put a fifty-seven in a garage and just blared your mix through like a like an amp.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Facebook video really does destroy it. But I'm getting good at hearing what would have been a good mix before yeah. Facebook video. <laughs> um, like
2: man, like your brain like automatically deducts the Facebook video algorithm. Like <laughs> like what would this sound like?
0: Yeah, I, I've just gotten used to hearing that be- after putting stuff up there.
2: Oh yeah. It's pretty devastating at first. You're just like, "Oh."
0: SoundCloud what is pretty is this? bad too with that stuff. Yeah, it's amazing to me too that so many producers, and engineers use SoundCloud as their method of getting the word out because SoundCloud really does fuck your audio up. But it, uh, yeah. it's it's very widely used. We use it for our mix competitions and stuff. Right. I guess I don't know of any other players that kind of have all those features. I guess that's what it is.
2: Yeah, I think SoundCloud is just like, hey, we exist. And everyone's like, well, all right. Yeah, uh,
0: I I think that's what it is as well. But it just it bums me out (laughs) sometimes. It makes makes me sad. So speaking of uh, your production career and online stuff, how do you go about promoting yourself as a producer? Do you post anything online or is it all word of mouth like how does how are you how are you getting clients in
2: yeah it's so it's pretty much been all word of mouth i, I did a youtube thing for a little while and that was cool um but yeah you know, i just got so busy i couldn't keep up with I, the, the nature of youtube is that it has to be like a constant stream of things so i try to post like a couple things on there but a lot of it's just word of mouth so you know like if a band likes a production, it's basically an advertisement for your studio. And, you know, if they're smart enough to do the investigation, they can find you pretty easily. So, yeah, pretty much just all word of mouth, mostly.
0: And where do they find you?
2: They usually find me through Jared or just other bands that I've recorded. I
1: just did a quick search um, for Johnny Frank on Facebook. comes up with a personal profile, and then... There's a f- Johnny Frank Productions page, which is uh, slash Johnny Frank Music, um, mm-hmm. and that's got seven thousand likes. And yeah. uh, then you've got a Wick- I think you have a Wikipedia page. Looks like yeah, or
0: you're a part of a Wikipedia page.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs>
0: Do your kinds primarily come via Facebook?
2: No, honestly, I I haven't used my Facebook in a in a little while. I, yeah. I get on like I'll check the messages and stuff. I think I'll get a lot of like requests through Facebook Messenger, but. I have a manager who who people contact. Ah, with stuff. I see. So he basically will be like, "Hey, I have this thing for you. If you want it, uh, go for it." When then, did
0: you get a manager for your production?
2: Uh, like two years ago, actually. Wow. Yeah, two years ago. So ever since then, he's he'll pretty much find the bands for me and stuff like that. And then, honestly, like the past, you know, three months have been pretty much just Jared working with him. So. It's been like a, like that in house kind of producer thing where I'm just like, if he has a good idea, like I want to make sure that we do it because I love working with him. I'm passionate about the things that we do because I think it's a blast and I think it moves the music scene forward a little bit. You know, it helps things progress because if we're gonna make fun of something, that's gonna make you think, hey, like. That is kind of generic. Maybe we should do something else.
0: Yeah, I agree. Once you parody something, it's really easy to see something for what it is.
2: Right, yeah. And so I think bands are like, oh, I can't do that because, you know.
0: Because bands have been doing that since 2004.
2: Right, and then someone finally just was like, enough and made fun of it. (laughs) Yeah, it's
0: been 10 years, guys.
2: Right, exactly.
0: (laughs) Like, move on. (laughs) It's been more than 10 years, actually. 12 years. Holy shit. Like, move on. With, yeah. your, with your lives um, <laughs> and your art. So what made you get a manager?
2: Uh, I think I was just, I wanted someone who could focus on, you know, kind of the future of, of what I'm doing and, uh, and just allow me to focus on, I, I just, I just remember spending all this time, like emailing with bands, scheduling, getting the payments like figuring out all that stuff i'm like i'm spending more time doing this crap than i am actually making music and like i just want to make music that's what i'm passionate about i'm not passionate about being like oh how does january 1st work for you oh it doesn't how about the third oh it doesn't how about you know it's just like i just kind of got sick of that and i was like if i can find someone who's just as passionate as me and you know once likes doing that stuff and can allow me to do what I want to do, which is not scheduling and, and booking, but just making music and helping people, you know, making people happy with the music that you make together. I think that's where I've really found a lot of the joy of producing, and that's what I want to do and not the other stuff.
0: But you waited until you were busy yeah. enough to justify it.
2: Yeah, I think I think what helped was... Being in the industry for a while before then, because there's so many leech managers, man, who are just like, oh, yeah, it's like, dude, give me 20% gross, and I'll get you on this sampler, you know, or you're like, what the fuck is the sampler? Like, it sounds (laughs) cool when you're like a 15 year old kid, you're like, oh, sweet. I don't know what a sampler is, but it sounds kind of dope, you know, or like, this guy has like an email with his business and like the end of it. Wow, that's. That's really cool, you know, and I mean, we almost, Attack almost got stuck in a contract where, uh, what's the the right where the person can just sign for you?
0: Power of attorney.
2: Yeah, like he wanted power of attorney over us and we like, we like almost signed that and it was just like how many pitfalls we could have fallen into by like crappy managers that were just wandering around, you know, looking for someone to prey on and make money off of. But not actually do anything. So I, I knew like when I was looking for a manager going into that that I knew to be really skeptical of who I was talking to. So
0: That's uh, really, really smart. Uh, bringing it up because that's another question we get frequently is, should I get a manager? Will it help me get more bookings, et cetera? And it's like, well, if you're already really booked up and people know who you are, then yes, it can help, but more than anything it's just going to be like a glorified secretary and if you don't already have bookings and scheduling to work on, then they're not going to really have much to do.
2: Right. Yeah, they kind of keep they kind of keep the ship moving and oiled so that you can focus on the direction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. If the ship's not moving, uh there's you don't need a manager.
2: Right. That was like a really clutch ship analogy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> clutch. Was clutch. Thank you. <laughs> that was some deep shit, man.
1: <laughs> well, hey, man. Uh, we are getting a little close to time here, so I'll just say uh, you've been a great guest. Thank you for being on the show with us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: Absolutely. And if, if people want to find you, is there, is there somewhere? Is there some way? How do they
0: find you?
2: Come to Columbus, Ohio. Can I email no, uh, your
0: manager or something? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. So the manager is nate.matsell at gmail.com.
0: How do you spell that?
2: Wow. I actually forget. Actually, I just don't want to screw it up. So <laughs> uh, it's nate, N-A-T-E-M-A-T-Z-E-L-L-E at gmail.com. And he'll take care of all the booking and stuff. So Very cool. cool.
0: There you have it. If you want to get Johnny Frank on your shit.
2: Some sweet tins, dude. Email Nate. (laughs) (laughs) Or email me, johnnyfrankmusic at gmail.com.
0: And then you'll pass it to Nate.
2: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) But there's that. There's my YouTube channel if you want to check out some of the stuff that I've been doing. Honestly, if you want to check out some of the more recent stuff, just go to Jared's YouTube channel. I've pretty much done most of his songs for the past year and a half. what
0: is
1: jared's youtube
2: uh it's just jared alangi
1: yeah if you you just search his name in the youtube search it'll come right up he's pretty big on youtube so
0: a l o n g e yeah Yeah.
2: and if you want to find yeah like my most recent productions just go to his channel and anything that's musical is most likely going to be me and then that's you know the product
1: absolutely very cool thank you for being on the show and uh thanks for your time today Yeah, man, thanks for coming on.
2: Yeah, for sure. Talk to you soon. See you later, guys. Unstoppable Recording Machine Podcast is brought to you by Stam
0: Audio. Stam Audio creates zero compromise recording gear that is light on the wallet. Only the best components are used, and each one goes through a rigorous testing process with one thing in mind: getting the best sound possible. Go to stamaudio.com for more info. To ask us questions, make suggestions, and
2: interact. Visit urm.academy slash podcast and subscribe today.